Hi everyone, you are now tuning in to Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. We present our final discussion with our special guest, screenwriter and producer Doug Schaefer, whose recent project 5,000 Blankets was released by Sony and Affirm Originals. We hope you enjoy part two of our discussion. Thank you for joining us today. But it gets, <laughs> as a producer, what's frustrating is that sometimes though, if you lay off the gas, so to speak, yeah. There's like mistakes or you'll find mistakes uh, and you're just like, oh, uh, we can't God. go back like, and film that. Yeah. Well, no. Or you just, you know, you don't want to. You don't want to micromanage too much, but sometimes you have to realize that. Other people working in a movie are going to move on to the next their next project quickly, probably. Mm -hmm. uh, and so. You just got to make sure everybody's you know everybody's doing your job and you're getting everything you need because i've had it where you know we've made a movie and then mm -hmm. our post house you know i was there to check on the uh, opening title credits and then they misspelled yeah. something you know and so and after like, this was in the theater i saw like the, oh, no. the production designers made and i'm like and luckily it, it was only showing like a couple nights or whatever. And then I was like, you got to fix this. And then we had to fix it. So now it's streaming everything. There's not the issue, but I found it. I was like, oh my God. I <laughs> How did you guys do that? Because I was, I was kind of worried because this vendor, they were doing good work, but I always had to constantly check up on it because I say, okay, we're doing this. And then I had to keep double and triple checking mm -hmm. their work because, and I've had that with uh, one of our sound guys one time on a lower budget movie. Yeah. Let, let us know because that was going to be did, my next like, question like I was really worried about this guy because it was a <laughs> low budget movie and um, he uh, I was like it, we're mixing I'm like okay well let's make sure this okay and, and so however he mixed it he didn't follow the specs or he did something so oh, when it no. came up when it showed on TV the uh the background noise was so loud. Like oh, the background no. noise was so loud and the, and the background music. And I was like, oh my God. And so I had to call the network. I'm like, don't ever air that again. Uh, I'm going to, we're going to fix that. And then we got to recheck it for QC and then make sure it's okay. Cause I was just so, so embarrassed that that had happened, but that, you know. But that's, that's, that's extra budget though. Those are like, not as, it's not a major mistake. I mean, I, I, I've definitely been Well, it's just one of those so things that you're major. just like, Oof, you know, people don't realize like a lot of the stuff, like I think it's Game of Thrones, there was a Starbucks. Oh uh, my gosh. You know, oh, and that, you. that especially if you're rushing, people aren't seeing it. I was actually I actually thought when that happened, that was planted as kind of a thing where where it would create social media buzz. Uh, oh my but gosh. I don't know. But if but the no, fact that it they, wasn't. I was at HBO at the time, and okay. I remember I was at in home entertainment, and I was there with the controversy as well when they had a, a former president's um, head on a spike in Game of Thrones, and <laughs> and I was like, whoever did that, you know, it was somebody on crew, just yeah doing a prank a joke and was just like whatever you know what I mean but not realizing like some eagle eye viewer was going to catch that and it blew up bad but yeah the star I didn't know that one. Oh yeah it was um I I'll say for the audience because he's no longer president but George Bush 
And at the time, oh everybody despised him when he was in office. So, um, well, not everybody, but you know what I mean. And yeah. um, they put his they put his head on a spike, like a bloody head. So it was like um, they showed the line of heads, you know, of like you know, because Game of Thrones is all about killing. Yeah. Them, right? mm -hmm. So I think this was season one, and they put the head on a spike, and the camera panned, and it was like George Bush's head. And I was like, oh, y'all are crazy. Even the um. The coffee cup one, and and those are things that happen. Like when you see the boom mic, there's a lot of well, that stuff you just don't catch, you, you know. And especially if you're doing something, you got to finish it up quickly. So yeah. I guess my I guess my uh, you know moral of the story message is just that that type of stuff happens. You know, you're not going to necessarily fix everything, but there's you know there's always so, stuff. So let me ask you now that we're on that subject, tell us what about one of your worst projects you ever worked on and why. Um, you don't have to name names, of course, but you know, just give us some insight into more challenging situations. And then, you know, I'd love to know the best project, you know, so like, just let the audience really know. We like the insight um, for the audience, just to know like, hey, the producers like, you know, like you said, post could be this, pre could be that, editing, like, names offer credits like well well the um, challenging talent the most challenging one i was was a was a bigger budget one we did for lionsgate and the issue wasn't that i necessarily didn't like it it was that i was put in the middle because i was actually working for a production company a gentleman who financed the movies and so i had him and this other production company which is the production company of a very famous person mm -hmm. and uh they were fighting back and forth uh the whole time and i was just caught in the middle of this and it was just so uncomfortable and um it just you know it, it just started to get really 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 nasty and so and so mm -hmm. i the issue with that was just that there was a lot of infighting and it made it really uncomfortable. So, you, so, mm. you know, and that just kind of, uh, you, you know, that kind of um, made its way to the crew and there was a lot of division and stuff like that. It just wasn't, mm. it wasn't a comfortable experience where, where I felt a lot of that stuff could have been avoided, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. um, the best experience is probably the last movie I did. And that's because I was the one, only one producing it. So I felt like, that was a lot more fun because I didn't have these outside factors. You yeah, know, let us know about that involved. project. Like, yeah. let us know about that project and everything. The last well, one project that I did with Sony is called 5,000 Blankets. Uh, it's about mm -hmm. homelessness and mental illness. And uh, it's actually mm -hmm. faith and family. It's not really good. I worked on it for a long time. Um, and, you know, we had to do that really, really quickly. But, mm -hmm. um, and we had to shoot it right. It was, we shot it right after thanksgiving 2021 and it was mm -hmm. the theater's last christmas um and is it and streaming now or anything now like it's streaming yeah it, mm -hmm. um it's kind of all the stream it should be on netflix here probably pretty soon um and what made that one so pivotal for you that um just because i felt like creatively and all that other stuff i was it was like my baby i felt like i mean my director did a great job uh mm -hmm. and i went to actually i went to afi with him uh, and he did a he did a wonderful job. He's a perfect guy for it. And we had a great writer, Matt, who you know, obviously, and he did a great mm -hmm. job. So, so it was, it was very much like we'll, a, we'll give Matt yeah. Antonelli a shout out. So yeah, and, and Larry Pastel, who's who 
co-wrote it with uh with um with matt and it was based on this woman called cindy bunch true story it just i had so i just been i had been working with like larry and cindy for so long mm-hmm. on it it was so good to see it finally on screen and matt and i mean did such a good job and and the people at sony were great to work with so mm-hmm. um it just was a great experience all around it was great yeah, and um, one thing I, I noticed that you had said was you were the only one producing it. So do you feel like these productions sometimes that are a way large budget with like 100 producers on it can be challenging for you? You know, are you saying like your avenue really is like as long as we're gelling well? <laughs> well, it depends yeah. because it depends, it, you know, it really depends on a budget because, I mean, if you got a a huge movie, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to as a producer, you're going to need help because mm-hmm. it's just so much bigger on that scale. So you're going to need, you know, you're going to have to be working with a few other producers uh, to just mm-hmm. manage the workload. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's some producers that are more kind of executive producers that kind of handle the communication with the studios or selling the movie they don't they're not really as involved in production and then there's producers that are more involved with the production mm-hmm. um so it's just kind of having more defined rules different skill sets there but if, you know if you got bigger budgets you're gonna you're definitely gonna need help i mean the budget of our movie wasn't very big so it was it was easier to manage now if it was a mm-hmm. lot bigger i would have i would have probably brought somebody else in uh, exactly to help. And now a word from one of our sponsors. After starting my podcast, I needed to hire the pros to market the content. Are you looking for digital success? Look no further. World Boss HQ is your strategic partner. Their experts turn your vision into a digital masterpiece. From stunning websites to powerful marketing, they've got you covered. Startups or established businesses, they are your one-stop solution. Visit worldbosshq.com. That is W-O-R-L-D-B-O-S-S-H-Q.com. And unleash your potential today. World Boss HQ Digital Marketing. Your online empire awaits. We are excited to bring you this world exclusive teaser from Bad Rabbit Pictures and Movie Pods. They are presented Age of Prophecy, a sci-fi fantasy podcast done in the style of the radio dramas of yesteryear. Coming soon to all streaming platforms. Visit www.moviepods.com or www.theanukechronicles.com for all the release dates. You won't want to miss this one. Your miss were born from our history. Let's check it out. Life, a vile, messy sequence of events before we die. All designed for something beyond us. It has to be, or else what's the point? You don't know me, but I know you. I am responsible for your triumphs and miseries. Zira and Lil Zor, and to truly understand your own story, you must know mine. Your myths were born from my history.
Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. And let me ask you to just like pivot real quick, though, um, because we're, you know, running a little bit on, low on time. We still have a, a couple of minutes left, definitely yeah. 10 minutes. So don't feel like I'm going to hang up on you or anything. No <laughs> but I'm really excited because you're doing, you know, this is excellent. All of this feedback for the audience, though. So yeah. you mentioned the last film that you did was faith based. Is that one of your favorite genres? And like what other genres do you like to develop? Uh, yeah, you know, the inspirational faith and family. Yes, I've. Um you know, I've really enjoyed the last project because it had such a good message and it was, mm -hmm. it was leaving, you know, when you see how that affects the audience mm -hmm. and how they connect with it is such a great feeling. So yes, it's, mm -hmm. it, I, I like the inspirational stage. I was doing a lot of kind of low budget thrillers, which are okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I do like the horror genre. I'd like to try that, but right now it's, it's, uh, I know those don't really mix faith and family with, uh, with horror, but um, but I've always liked horror movies. But yeah, I like doing the faith and family. It's um, now. Do you uh, feel as movie. a producer they try and keep you in one avenue, or are you? Do you feel like you're able to explore? Because I know that you also were doing like Lifetime movies yeah. and all of that. Stuff. You will look. I do think they I try think... and put you in that box per se, or do you feel like you have more flexibility than someone else? You know, that's another filmmaker because a lot of times. For instance, actors and stuff. It took Jim Carrey a very long time to transition over from comedy into, you know, yeah. more dramas and stuff. So, as a producer, I don't think it it maybe more maybe with comedy, mm -hmm. uh, it you would want a producer who's done comedy. But I think as you know, if you have the skill set, you have the story skill set and everything. I actually think it's better if you start off doing a lower budget project because then you're kind of doing a lot of different stuff and a lot of different jobs because because mm -hmm. if somebody comes in just say they come in they're in like a studio role and they transition to a producer they're yeah. more an executive so they're more macro like you know treating mm -hmm. the thing as and you know and utilizing your relationships more on you know getting the movie made getting the movie sold which is invaluable mm -hmm. but they don't they might not know the nuts and bolts as producer, but I think it's important that you understand all the nuts and bolts, like um, what goes into pre-production, production, post, uh, mm -hmm. how to budget and schedule for those and stuff like that, because then you just, you don't want to get in a situation, you know, where, especially when you're starting a project off that you're relying on a lot of other people to help you out because you're going to have to try to, you know, work with a writer or write something yourself, and then you're going to yes. have to start packaging it somehow, and you're going to have to know how to budget and schedule some stuff. And it just helps if you know how to do that and you can speak to it. So when you're talking to um, executives, they're going to lean to you because the thing is people don't understand, like with executives, they're overseeing the projects and they want to make sure things are certain happen. You're producing the movie for mm -hmm. them. Like they, they might come to set and stuff, but you're you're doing the movie for them, and mm -hmm. so and so they're looking for you to have answers and to solve problems for them. Like if they say, "Well, look, we're not going to have the budget for all this stuff. We need to do this, blah blah blah." Um, you yeah, know, you have to make be able to solve those problems. Yeah, so you have to make those running changes and just make it easy for them. That's the thing. If you make mm -hmm. it easy for them, um, where you're not 
I mean, there's always problems. There's always issues. But as long as, you know, you're, you know, because you got to understand from the executives, they have, they're probably juggling multiple projects mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, their time is kind of limited and they, um, you want to try to make them look good yeah. with a lot of this stuff. You know, I love that. Now, an exciting message from our sponsors. When I decided to launch this podcast, I had the tools to find talent and market the show, but needed a skilled editor to bring it all to life. That's when I turned to Jacob Daly at redhawk.uk. His collaborative approach and swift revisions transformed my vision into reality. Redhawk.uk, your one-stop solution for creative content services. Reach out to them. Now a word from another of our supporting sponsors, that is Realm IQ, a new AI consultancy started by film marketing veteran Kurt Doty, who has built an international team of AI mentors to help AI change management for your business. Go to www.curtdoty.co slash Realm IQ, smart people for smart adoption, creating smart worlds. Realm IQ, book your AI workshop today, adopt or perish. Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. All right, so let's get into one, two more questions for you really quick, because no I do think that's pivotal. And what you mentioned was really important too, because I don't think a lot of people understand as filmmakers, this is a business, right? Everybody just thinks it's like, you just go in there, we're having fun, we're, we're throwing up a camera, but it's actually a business. And I also tell people when they're walking out on those credits, right? All of those credits are people's name that was involved in the production. Yeah every single name. So when you're in those mega movies, like a Marvel film and it's damn 10, 15 minutes of credits, that's all the people that help support that, you know? And you as a producer, it's something pivotal. You're at all stages of it. So yeah. being able to learn that craft is very important. What would you suggest before we go into the next question, um, someone do in order to become a producer, education wise, you know, shadowing, mentoring, whatever. What would you say for yourself that actually helped you as you progressed into a profession? Well, again, I was I was fortunate that I had the background I did because um, when I when I came into it, some of the dynamics of of like just kind of across the board with you know doing business with other people mm -hmm. is totally applicable to the film business. You know, they have mm -hmm. you know you have vendors you work with different people you work with stuff like that and so you understand kind of the business side and you understand when you're when you're meeting with these key decision makers mm -hmm. what they're thinking and and what they're looking for so i would so that's where it was kind of good having that kind of business background so as a producer you know you'll find a lot of people that have a creative arts degree but they have no business acumen so it's it's all kind of new to them they don't really understand uh how to kind of talk to talk mm -hmm. uh so to speak but yeah. as far so that's that that's how the, you know the transition worked for me as far as somebody kind of who wants to get into producing there's a couple of different ways i mean a you know get on set try to get on set and you could mm -hmm. you could whether you're working for a producer or not just just being on set understanding how it works with a pa or whatever or if you're a coordinator or something 
and then working under somebody and then kind of building up. I mean, you could have build up, then become like a line producer, and then you understand everything. And then you're, a, you know, you have that skill set, and then you can get into producing. It's just going to take time for you to understand it. You could also go in more on the executive side. You can become an assistant to a producer or be, get in a production company or something <laughs> and try to go that route there's also mm-hmm. people that try to go agency and stuff like that um or you know there's there's been people that you know have been successful business i mean one of the guys um who produced uh executive produced um the jesus revolution uh tony young so he um and i mm. actually know tony um he had like a, his own business and he uh-huh. was very successful and, but he wanted to get in, he's, he's a devout Christian. He wanted to get into kind of the faith and family business. So he started getting involved in financing productions and he was learning more and stuff like that. But then he built uh-huh. his own studio. He's, t- he's turned with the Irwin brothers. So he came at it from a different perspective because he was already like very successful very very successful business mm-hmm. person. so he was able to you know learn kind of on the higher end um and get involved somehow but i think it's just important to get involved in projects i think too some people might not like this advice but i think if at <laughs> some point if you really if you're coming if, like if you live in somewhere in the midwest or something you know, you're going to have to try to go to one of these hubs like like L.A. Mm-hmm. or Atlanta or something where things are happening just mm-hmm. so you can understand it. It's just because even when I came in, you don't you don't really understand it. You don't understand the lingo. It doesn't take that long when you're on no. set to kind of get to understand it all. But, and you figure out what you're good at, too, on set. Yeah. And you but you, like have, to, you have to be able to get linked up and start building your network because that's where you get more work and things like that you start talking to like-minded people that might be in the same position that want to go up and that just my advantage when I went to school I went to grad school and I'm not saying that's the route for everybody it was more the route for me Mm -hmm. just because I was coming from an outside but what the big advantage of going to film school was a was in LA but also um it built my network totally and Mm -hmm. you know and so because the writer of my last movie I went to school with and the director went I went to school with. So um yeah. and it just helps with those relationships. Absolutely. So two more questions. Let's get to the final ones really quick. No problem. Um what is the what projects are out there that you would have loved to work on? Like you mentioned the Jesus Revolution. Is there anything out there now that you're saying like, oh man, I would have loved to work on that? Uh Roger, you know who Roger, I think it's Roger or Robert uh, Eggers. Let me see. Uh, let me just get the the right name. Mm-hmm. Um, Roger Eggers. Is that a producer, director? He's a director. Or... Okay, director. Okay. Um, I keep messing up if it's Roger Robert. Um, yeah. There's certain directors, you know, for me this is kind of, I don't want to sound arrogant saying this, but it's like, there's a lot of movies that come out that I'm not like really impressed with. Like even the Marvel stuff, I'm not 
really impressed with just just i you know because i feel thing. like well it's not my thing but i also feel like cinematically it's not really there for me a lot of people love it and i get it look it's that's what you you need to produce and and uh and you know these uh you know uh studios at walt disney they want to make a ton of money so i totally get it um but i love it when i can see a director who really stands out and you know because like back when i would watch movies in the 70s and 80s i could watch a movie uh for like five, 10 minutes, I could tell you who the director was because they had a unique style, like Brian De Palma, Spielberg, Scorsese, yep. really? um, uh, uh, Kubrick, you know, like they had these distinct styles. Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Eggers, he did uh, The Lighthouse. I don't know if you saw that. And he did The Northman, yes. The Viking. And I was just like, this guy, is <laughs> taking, he's just, he's like creatively just killing it and, and he's not afraid mm -hmm. which i loved about it because i was like he is just gonna he he is like the viking thing was badass the the northman it but it was hardcore um so robert eggers if you watch if you're listening to this watching it whatever well he's got his own stuff he doesn't he does not need me at all he doesn't uh, need but, you, but at the end of the day, you never know. Phenomenal. He's, he was a guy like I like. He's doing a Nosferatu. He's doing the you know the vampire. Uh, oh yeah, that's gonna but be. But it's good. just like he's just got. He's just doing some great stuff, and he's fearless, which is uh, is what I, you know, what I really. And I wish more movies would get made uh, like that because they're fearless. Mm -hmm. Also, the guys who did the um, that won the Oscar. Uh, those guys, um, the um, everything here all at once or whatever. Okay, everything everywhere. Oh, once I mean, way. those guys started a low budget movie. Uh, actually, yeah. had friends that worked on that movie, which was the movie with uh, Paul Dano and uh, Danny Redcliffe, which Paul mm -hmm. Dano is. It's like a weekend at Bernie's on acid. You know, <laughs> Daniel Redcliffe is dead. You know, he's yeah. a dead body. <laughs> um and he's like talking to him and stuff like that but they had a just a even then for that budget of that movie which was like five million had such a creative flair that mm -hmm. it stood out and then they did this movie uh that won the oscar be it, because it was just completely and totally unique and i like filmmakers with vision and it's just it's good to see because so many times um you know there's new movies and stuff that out that just don't they just don't really have vision like they just don't have a unique vision where they're where they're taking chances and I love that about you know yeah. when film I mean Sam Raimi started that way when he was doing I mean he was I mean he still has his distinct style exactly well guys listen Doug Schaefer has a very unique out of the box style he loves people like that that are creative so if you are listening to this Doug Schaefer is willing to team up with you. If yes. you're thinking outside of the box, if you're not just, you know, popping, playing movies, <laughs> you know, um, definitely contact him. But one more thing for you, Doug, before we go, when was that pivotal moment that you knew you had made it in this industry from aspiring producer to a professional producer? I think, honestly, it was with this last movie. And, and, and it's not that what I was doing was different but mm -hmm. it was doing it completely on my own 
uh, which, you know, because before I'd done a lot of movies, but I worked for a production company. I was the lead producer and I was doing all mm -hmm. the same thing. But to make all the dis final decisions and stuff truly was where I felt like, okay, like this is, you know, because I always had, you know, one, the other job I had, I, you know, I had a, I had a report to where I didn't have mm -hmm. to deal with that. Here. I was doing it all on my own. So I would say it was this last one. And it was, you know, very, um, uplifting feeling you know and we love that for you man i'm very proud of you doug and i want to thank you. you so much you've just tuned into an episode of conversations with filmmakers podcast we'd like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their knowledge this has been a production of vonti pictures hosted by me vonti mccray a screenwriter and producer we'd also like to thank bad rabbit pictures for the animated content and creator of upcoming podcast age of prophecy along with our sponsor redhawk.uk with all episodes being edited by jacob daly director, producer, and a man of many talents. Come back next week as this saga continues for the Conversations with Filmmakers podcast.